I'm Scott Kahn, and this is the Yeshiva Review. I'm sitting in Yeshivat Ashrenu in Beit Shemesh today with the Rosh Yeshiva Rabbi Gotch Yudin, Rabbi Akiva Neiman, and Rabbi Eli Skaist. Rabbi Yudin, might you tell me a little bit about yourself? I have had the opportunity to be involved in Jewish education for the last 25 years, and I've had the privilege to start Yeshivat Ashrenu five years ago. My name is Rabbi Akiva Neiman. Uh, I've also been working in education for many years, from NCSY California to running NCSY programs also in Israel, and now I work full-time at Ashrenu as the Director of Education. Uh, my name is Elie Skist. I've uh, been involved in various projects, um, both educational and uh, Chesed, as well as uh, the IDF. I've been living in Israel for the past 10 years, and uh, this is my fourth year here at Yeshiva Ashrenu. Rabbi Yudin, tell me a little bit about what drove you to found the yeshiva. So, well, like anything else in life, everything just starts with a phone call. Uh, actually, we got a phone call from a friend of mine six years ago who, after all of the uh, yeshiva had come to present at his son's high school, he actually uh, came and said to his dad, well, after hearing everybody, I think I don't really want to go to Israel for the year. This is a young man who actually is a friend of our, our son, who I knew growing up well, and a wonderful kid, and when his dad asked him why, he said, Dad, I want to go to yeshiva for a year. I'm interested in learning for a year. I want to grow. This was a kid who was, you know, very popular at the school. He was uh, athletic. He was a wonderful, wonderful kid, but he said to his dad, the concept of learning three sadarim a day, morning, afternoon, and night, and this young man was, you know, totally able to and, and had the academic ability, but he said, the concept of learning three sadarim a day just doesn't speak to me. I'm happy to learn in the morning. I'm happy to learn at night. I just don't want to sit in a classroom or a bait midrash all day. So after that conversation, it did dawn upon me that when I was assistant principal in Frisch, going back around 11 years ago, there really at the time, and going further, wasn't really a yeshiva option for a young man who wanted learning plus, who wanted to be able to learn and be in a real yeshiva environment, at the same time, be active, be a doer. You know, there, there are wonderful kids out there that want, that, or maybe they were a geo president, they were involved in chesed in their school. They want, on the one hand, to have a classical type of Torah learning, but at the same time, being able to do chesed, being active, being able to be just up and about is part of their, who they are. And that's really how Ashrenu, or the concept of Ashrenu, began. But what does that mean exactly? So what does Ashrenu do about those kids who want the Yeshiva Plus? What's, what's the plus exactly? So exactly, um, at Ashrenu, we pride ourselves that three afternoons a week, after a full morning of learning, the boys are involved in all different types of chesed or internships. We basically try and take the talents that Hashem has given these young men and using those talents to help other people, to take those talents. So for example, if someone's very athletic, so they have the ability to play ball and to teach clinics to children who wouldn't have the ability to afford after-school type of sports. If someone's a musician and he has that kind of talent, there are so many kids in the Beit Shemesh area who definitely cannot afford to take music lessons. If uh, they want to work with children for, with special needs, if they have in the past been involved with Yachad NCSY or any type of working with children with special needs, we have that opportunity as well. Magain David Adom is an unbelievable course and an opportunity for young men to be able to take the course here and then to 
volunteer on an ambulance in Beit Shemesh or in Jerusalem at, at different Mada events. Crazy as it sounds, in the last five years of the yeshiva, our boys have been privileged to be involved in helping nine babies come to the world. They actually were involved and helped deliver nine babies. So, did they were they already medics before they came, or they learned that here? No, they actually came to the yeshiva. They took a course from Magen David Adom. They became certified. And then they went out on calls with the ambulance locally here in Beit Shemesh. Can you describe something typical about a student? Obviously, as Rabbi Uden just described, part of it is that he wants more than a regular morning seder or only siddharm. He wants to be active as well. What else is there about a yeshiva student at Ashrenu that makes him unique? Something that's unique about them is that they're all here to experience uh, the land of Israel and not just learning Torah in the classical sense. So they obviously appreciate uh, learning Torah in, you know, in a classroom or Beit Midrash form, but they also are looking to, um, to expand their horizons. So whether it's going out and volunteering or doing internships, and we go on a weekly tool. Every Tuesday we go out and we are hiking or biking or rappelling or whatever we're doing that day and trying to um, provide them with a context of not just learning Torah in the Beit Midrash, but also experiencing the land of Israel and experiencing the life of a Torah Jew. We want the young men who come to our trainer to really develop a, a connection and a love with the land. And when we go out on our weekly Tiyulim every Tuesday, so we combine those days with something educational, something experiential, and I really believe that the boys do their best learning on Tuesdays. What, what do you mean by educational Tiyul? Well, thank God, you know, uh, so much of Tanakh, most of Chumash, so much of the Navi, historically, it all happened here. So you could either come to Eretz Yisrael and you could sit in a Beit Midrash and learn another parak of Tanakh, or we could take you to the place where the event happened and bring it to life and make it exciting and open up a Tanakh on the top of a mountain and describe exactly what took place there. And yes, as Ravelli said, if in fact we finish learning about a mountain and we decide not at every mountain. If we want to decide we want to repel off the mountain, we'll do that. If there's a Mayan, if there's a spring that's located near a place that we just visited, we're going to jump in because we like to combine the boys having a wonderful connection to the land and physically getting down and rolling in the dirt and the mud of Eretz Yisrael, but at the same time to be able to appreciate its history and our connection to the Tanakh and to the Torah that's found and that happens so much here in this land. I want to also add that just in terms of a Tuesday Tulim, we're also going to learn about the Zionism and about the, uh, the culture and the history of Israel. Going to different museums, going to Herzl Museum, learning about the prime ministers here. That's also a very important aspect of the yeshiva and learning about Tzionut and about, again, the history and Zionism of our country. Yeshiva Zionist, obviously. Yes. Do you have multiple political positions in the yeshiva? Or is it really more of a unified understanding of that? And it can be understood in two ways. First of all, I mean in terms of Zionism versus non-Zionism. But also, some yeshiva will emphasize a right-wing political approach or a left-wing political approach or be apolitical. How does it work here at Ashrena? So what we try to um, teach our students by uh, taking them to the, to the museums, like Rabbi Akiva mentioned, and to other places that describe the history of uh, Medinat Israel and uh, how this place came and how it is, in a sense, the beginning and Reshit Tzmichat Geulatenu. We try to stay away from taking a political stance of the current political events. Obviously, when the, the students who are more interested 
and, and have more knowledge about uh, politics in Israel, and they want to come discuss it, so we will maybe go into more depth, but as a whole, we won't necessarily take a uh, public approach on that sense. We believe that um, allowing the, the students to really experience only the, the pure, positive uh, vibes of, of the land of Israel is, I think, essential, especially if they're going to spend one year here. We definitely have students that uh, continue on and uh, join the army, and those generally um, you know, do form more of a political uh, view and stance um, while they're here. And um, it's always interesting to see, based on their political backgrounds, uh, where they're from and where they're going to. Do you push Aliyah? Do you push the army? Um, I would say we don't push it as an agenda, but um, we are definitely extremely supportive. supportive and so proud of all of our students who have made Aliyah in the past and who are thinking of making Aliyah in the future. Every year we've had at least two or three boys that have uh, decided at the end of the year to uh, join the IDF, not because we sit every day and say to the kids, you have to go to the army and... You know, even though obviously we feel very proud and I'm very proud that my son has just finished serving in the army. But I believe that these boys have made such a connection to the land and have appreciated and gotten a love for Eretz Israel and what takes place here. Uh, and they decided on their own and each time, thank God, with their parents' permission and bracha, that this was something that was very, very meaningful for them as a way to uh, to be able to... Uh, fulfill or to answer so much of the connection that they had during the year with something very, very positive. That leads into another question. What is the typical, if there is such a thing, path of an Ashrenu student after his year in Ashrenu? What happens next? You know, it's, it's a variety because we really, you know, Baruch Hashem, we get such a variety uh, of students here in Ashrenu. Um, so really where they go after Ashrenu is also a variety. Baruch Hashem, we have kids, we have students going to YU. We have students going to Toro. We have students going to secular colleges. We have students going, and, and also secular colleges. We have students going to community college or Penn and all over the place, uh, really all over the country. And that's where they're going. And like we said earlier, some decide to make Aliyah, some decide to go to, go to the army and then go back to college. It's really everywhere. Um, and of course, you know, wherever uh, the student is going, we, as because we have such a large staff, Baruch Hashem, we really look to support each student individually. Everything here is very much on an individualized track and make sure that each student is getting what he needs uh, for his year here, both in terms of educationally as well as challenging him in his personal growth and also post Post yeshiva, you know, if it's going to be going to, if the person is going to a secular college, then what is he going to need on a secular college, and what tools and skills is he going to need, and uh, where are they going if they're going to YU or a Jewish college? Again, there's still skills and tools that they're going to need. Now, of course, uh, goes without saying, uh, Baruch Hashem, we have a Shanabet uh, program, and we very much encourage students to come back Shanabet. Uh, for those who can, either for a half a year or two-thirds of a year or for a whole year. Um, and our Shana Pet program is thriving, and it's a really, we feel it's a very, very important, actually, milestone in a, in a person's life to the first year. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to adjust, to get into learning, and then the second year, you're already starting where you ended up for the first year. And uh, for our Shana Bet students right now, it's really been already just the first few short months, uh, an incredibly growth-filled experience for them. Let me ask a bit of an unfair question. Always. What happens when you have a student, and you, you describe the variety of places people go, what happens when you have a student who's going to a place that you personally don't approve of? Let's say it's a college that has very little Jewish life. Do you get involved? Do you only get involved if he asks you? What's, what's the policy if there is such a thing here? 
It's a great question. I don't think it's an unfair question at all because, again, you know, everyone makes their own life decisions and they may come in with saying, and uh, I want to say it's not an unfair question because we have students who have come here and we know that they're going to colleges with, with very little Jewish life or no Jewish life, honestly. Uh, and throughout the year, we definitely have conversations unless, of course, a student says, I don't want to talk about it, which, of course, we would not, but we've never had anything like that, and everyone's very open here. The relationship between student and Rebbeim here is a very open relationship of being able to discuss anything you want about life, about Judaism, about college, and whatever that may be. So if, if a student is going to a college like that, the conversation might go in the direction of maybe looking for another college with more Jewish life, or it might, uh, it might go to a conversation about looking at YU, or it might say, okay, you're going to this college, this is the college you need to go to, let's say for a specialty, for videography, or whatever it might be. Let's talk about right now how you can get involved with organizations that you can work either with Heart to Heart. The OU has an app that talks about all, that, that lists all the different Jewish uh, things that are in, in your area. Um, and whatever it is that we can, again, support him and make sure that he takes what he learned this year in Ashrenu for the future. Also, a big, uh, one of a big focal point that we have here is the relationships that the students create with their rabbeim. And we definitely push uh, for that to continue after the year as well. So we definitely have uh, students in the past that have gone to completely secular colleges, but are in touch. And, uh, you know, nowadays with WhatsApp groups, and I, I definitely have a WhatsApp group with many students from the past, uh, where we have a weekly uh, Dvar Torah, and many times it's a discussion, um, as well as phone calls and uh, Facebook groups, etc. There, there are many you know, ways that we, we stay in touch with the students, and we definitely try and focus on that, especially when they're here, and especially, like you mentioned, when they are planning on going to a college that has less of a Jewish uh, life on college. Going back to something we talked about a few minutes ago, in terms of which student should go to Ashrenu, how about which student would you think would not be as successful here? Which student, perhaps, would belong in a different yeshiva? First of all, all yeshivas are amazing. I think anyone who is uh, committing to spend a year abroad and a gap year is doing an amazing thing. With that being said, everything we do, whether it's our daily learning, our, our daily chesed activities, giving to other people, uh, our weekly tiulim, experiencing the land of Israel, if there's a student who has anger and, you know, I guess frustration with, with, the, with Judaism and with um, acting in a Jewish way, I would say Yeshiva Ashrenu is not necessarily the right place for him. I would say maybe, you know, the student who is not good fit and who would not be a successful Ashrenu, again, is perhaps a student who doesn't want to go and explore the land every Tuesday, who isn't maybe interested in going and seeing museums and hiking and rappelling and whatever that involves. And if you're not interested in going out two, three times a week on a chesed internship, then this probably isn't the place for you. you know, uh, so that might be something, perhaps, that is not for you. So that's interesting. So let's say you have a student who were to come, and he's somebody, I really want to learn for a full day. I don't want, I mean, it's not that no one wants a teal or something like that, but he says, I really want to try to have a three seder a day. That probably would not be something he would get at Ashrena. Is that correct? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked that. Just to, uh, to, to define that point, we do have an, an afternoon seder option. So we have Rabeim here in the afternoon. Like, let's say, for instance, for a student, we have three afternoons of chesed. So let's say for a student who says, you know, I want to do two afternoons of chesed, and the, and the third afternoon I really want to spend learning. We have Rabeim here in the afternoon who can learn with him. He can have chavrusas. He can go to a shir. He can learn on his own. 100% that's an option. So I would actually say, yes, that is an option for those who want. Uh, and that's definitely a viable option. A bunch of students do that. 
Oh, really? You have a number who actually yes. don't do it? I, we don't have any students who don't do any chesed. Because, like we mentioned earlier, part of the, the uh, hashkafa of the yeshiva is you should go out and help others and learn what it's like to have empathy for other people. So you have to do one or two days of chesed. But if you don't want to do all three days, you're more than welcome to sit in the afternoon seder. So let's get into that afternoon seder, morning seder, night seder. The educational goals of the yeshiva. Each yeshiva has its own style of learning. Each yeshiva has the specific thing it's trying to impart. What would you say the specific educational goal or methodology of Ashrenu is that is different from any other place? So I think the educational or the, the bottom line goal of yeshiva Ashrenu is to be able to instill within the young man a love and a connection uh, for his Judaism and to have a very positive feeling towards uh, Yiddishkeit. It's manifest in the fact that we, I believe, offer a variety of opportunities and options uh, when it comes to the subject that we have within our classes and the style of learning by the various uh, personalities and types of rabbeim that we have. Right. We very much believe in the individual, individualization each, each student here really will connect to something else. Like Rabbi Yudin had been saying earlier, some students connect to playing sports with uh, students and with, with the kids, and some students might connect to you know, volunteering and food packing or, or cooking. Uh, and same, same thing in the Beit Midrash. Some students will connect to learning Gemara, and some students will connect to learning Parshat Shavua. And that is why we, have, um, we work with every student to make sure that he has an individualized track that he is really going to be getting from the most in the morning, possibly in the afternoon, uh, and uh, you know, depending on what he's doing, and as well in the night seder, because that's so important uh, for every student to be able to actualize and fulfill his potential in a year of, of that's, that's fully focused on growth. He has to be able to say, like, I'm really enjoying what I'm learning right now throughout the entire day. So in the morning, after chakras, after breakfast, we have um, about an hour slot, a little bit, about 45-minute uh, slot where we do chaburot, which is uh, topical. So we have chumash, we have halacha, we have Jew in the modern world, we have Kabbalah, mysticism, etc. And then we, we have the Gemara slot for about two hours. Uh, again, we have shirim, which we have tracks which are text, uh, and, uh, you know, analytical skills, how to learn Gemara. And then we also have tracks which are a lot lighter on the Gemara side, and it's much more about you know, building up on Jewish concepts and learning about Torah Shabal Pet and a lot of other things that are very, very important and, and integral to leading a Jewish life, but it's not as Gemara-heavy. And that's up to the student to decide where does he want to grow and how does he want to grow this year. And that's the same thing for next year. Well, it's, it's very important to mention we also have every year. Um, we have something which we do here, which is uh, a curriculum which we have developed over the past couple of years of something called First to Basics. It's basically revisiting all the Jewish practices that we do on a, in our daily lives every day as a Jewish person, as a practicing Jew, and trying to get a little bit deeper, a little bit more meaning, um, a little bit of a better understanding in what we do and why we do it. And what we've found is that although our students, you know, do uh, know these things and do know the, the practical halachic, you know, way to to uh, to live their lives, they don't necessarily have the deepest understanding of it. And we found that's very very helpful. Well, just uh, to give not, just to give some examples for what Ravelli is uh, talking about, going through the the day, you know, kids. Most of the kids who go to Ashrenu have come from a yeshiva day school background, and for sure. Uh, basic things like benching, uh, tefillah, putting on your tefillin, tzitzis. So these are all things that 
um, our students may have learned about in elementary school, or maybe a little bit of they touched upon some of these things in high school, but they often learned them on a very, very elementary school level. And these are such basic and important daily components of Judaism, and to re-address them and to re-look at them through the eyes of an 18-year-old young man and to help them connect to them in a way that will make those activities which they do meaningful. So we really put an emphasis on this, and this is something that we hope is really going to enhance their connection to Judaism for so many years to come after they leave the yeshiva. And I'd like to add that because of the uh, individualized tracks and because we have different levels of learning and, and uh, not only different levels but different approaches uh, and even different topics throughout the different classes, uh, it allows us to open up the yeshiva for public school students as well. For a student who perhaps went to Jewish elementary school or middle school but then went to public school or maybe vice versa and who doesn't have a strong of a background uh, in Jewish uh, either text learning or even just Jewish knowledge, Baruch Hashem, we've seen a lot of success with those students as well. Well, that segues nicely into a different question, which is, along with these educational goals, is there a way you can describe specific spiritual goals? Maybe a different way of putting it is, a student after spending a year, or perhaps two at Ashrenu, in your ideal vision, what should he be? What would he look like? I think the answer to that question lies in something we've been discussing this whole time, is we're challenging the students where they are. Like we had said, we have tracks for students coming in from public school teens. Um, we also have a track for students who's, who are coming in with uh, severe learning disabilities, let's say dyslexia, and they don't know how to, uh, they, they're coming in, they, they don't really even know how to read a bracha, say, uh, say benching uh, after bread. And so for a student like that, if he's coming out at the end of the year knowing how to bench, knowing how to lead, you know, and be chazen for, for mincha or marif, being able to, when he's later on in life, being able to teach his kids how to say the bracha. I, I mean, I'm saying a personal story. We had a student here who uh, has dyslexia and, and never learned the bracha for tefillin. And his rabbi just told me he just learned with that student uh, the bracha for tefillin. Now, again, like we have mentioned, most of the students here are coming from yeshiva's day school background, and this is obviously something that is very basic for them. But we also have a niche track for our three or four, three or four students who really, uh, uh, they're learning how to do their things. So for him, that's an amazing growth. You know, for him, at the end of the year, what is a successful student? He knows how to say brachas. He knows how to uh, interact with whatever Jewish observances that, that he needs to do throughout the day. Uh, like Rabbi Yudin had been saying earlier, passionate about Judaism, being empowered to make choices in life, good choices in life, that will revolve around Judaism. And for some students, that might mean changing my college to go to YU or changing my college to go to, a, to have a place that has more of a Jewish life on campus. Uh, for some students, it might mean coming back Shanabet or it might mean uh, learning two hours every day wherever I am. Every student is different, but on that same note, that's why we have such a large staff to be able to go over weekly, every, uh, literally twice a week we go over where is every single student holding, where are they going, how are they getting there, what are the goals for this month, what are the goals for the year, are those changing, are we always pushing the student, are we challenging them, are we pushing too hard, we're always thinking about the student as our number one goal, what is, this, what is the student going to look like at the end of the year. I think another important point to mention in terms of... Um be, becoming an ambassador for uh, for Judaism on college campuses uh, nowadays, uh, with you know with everything that's going on in the world, um, we definitely try to teach them a lot about uh, Jewish identity, and uh, we have an Israel advocacy class, which uh, which they have the option to take, 
and it teaches them a lot about um, what it means to be a Jew and what it means to be a Zionistic Jew. Um, so after a year, we hope that uh, when you know those who are going and attending colleges which don't necessarily have such a thriving Jewish life, we do hope that uh, they have the ability to really to answer the, the difficult questions that may come up and to be very proud representatives for the Jewish uh, people and for the state of Israel. How do you make sure with students with different backgrounds that the group remains a cohesive unit rather than being something which is stratified or you have a group here that does this and you've got the kids with their strong backgrounds and you've got the kids who can't say a bracha? How does that become a single group in the yeshiva? So I would say that it would probably be impossible if it wasn't for the fact that every Tuesday we're going out of the, the four walls of the Beit Midrash and we're bonding. And it's such an important, I mean, it's almost before all here at Ashrenu that the achdut, the unity of the students, is, is, is we're constantly looking and re-looking at that. And I don't know if Rabbi Eli, if you'd like to speak about this more, on the Tuesday Tulim, a lot of what we're discussing is, how is what are we going to do today that's going to make sure the students become closer together? We have a Shabbaton, a Shabbos. How are we going to make sure that the students are going to be closer together? So a lot of times when we plan a Tuesday Tulim, we'll try to think of a theme uh, for that day, which will either... Uh, challenge the students both um, physically and mentally. A good example that we've had in the past was we called um, one uh, Achtus begins where your social circle, circle ends. The idea was for the for the students to to look at you know students which they didn't necessarily have a, a great relationship with or they didn't really get to talk to because they're not in the same shear or like you mentioned they're not coming from the same background they don't have much in common. But, you know, out in the nature when we're on the top of a mountain and, you know, we'll, we'll sit in a big circle and we'll either do um, some form of meditation or some form of group discussion, which will, you know, with, with that vulnerability of sitting out in the nature, allow people to open up a lot more to each other and uh, really become that cohesive unit that we're looking to uh, become. Also, what's, what's so beautiful, the fact that we do chesed three afternoons a week, and because the guys are very often combined and involved in doing different types of chesed together, it really also adds and enables the boys to connect with one another, no matter what level, no matter what shear they're in. When it comes to doing chesed, you could have someone you know, who excels or is a wonderful doer. And as an example, it doesn't necessarily mean they're the strongest learner in the morning or vice versa. And therefore, what's amazing about our program is guys are able to shine and we offer the opportunity, whether it's through the learning, through the chesed, and quite frankly, how a kid hikes, how a kid tours. You know, some kids, you know, are going to shine in all the three areas that we offer and therefore it, it sort of levels the playing field and therefore guys have the ability to connect with one another and I'm unbelievably proud. We're five for five for the, the fifth year of our yeshiva. You know, there's no such thing as clicks here at Ashrenu. You could comment to our you know, there is no such thing as kids that, you know, come from the New York area are just sitting together versus we have the past kids from, you know, kids from out of town from all over America, from England, from Australia. And they all, by the second, third week, are all somehow one big, lovely sort of family, which is the family atmosphere that we have here. Tremendous amount of friendship and bonds that have created each year, you know, between the guys. I'd like to add a story just from this morning because Rabbi Yudin had mentioned that bonding can really come um, from the chesed opportunities that we have. Uh, um, the chesed coordinator was telling me this morning, yesterday's, uh, one of the yesterday's chesed options for two of the students was to go collect food for a needy family. 
um, for a, through an organization and it, and it distributed the food out to needy families. And the two students who were put together were, you know, not from, they're in different rooms and they have no sheer, no, no class overlap. So they didn't really know each other at all. And one of them is actually quite introverted. Um, and the other one is actually quite extroverted. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I getting feedback again, checking in afterwards, it was amazing because they really actually were able to uh, start a friendship and they had never really spoken before. And that would never have made been possible if it was just in the Bait Me Josh. It would only have been possible because they're walking around for an hour and a half collecting food for needy families. I want to go back to something Ravelli said before. I'm curious. You talked about meditating on a hill. Okay. Spirituality, mm-hmm. as opposed to book learning. Right. What place does that have at us right now? Um, so I say it has a, a very big place because, I mean, not to take away from book learning, obviously. Um, it all comes down to, you know, the Torah and what's written in the Torah. And obviously everything is taken from that. But I think that, um, that students nowadays that are coming uh, after... 12 years or so of Yeshiva Day School, in their minds, uh, opening up a book once again is taking them right back to high school. And we found that time and time again, um, a lot of you know the frustration that was built up in high school of, oh, it's just another class that I need to take and why do I need to do this? Um, it creates a lot of animosity towards the whole learning experience. And when we're able to kind of take them out of that uh, mindset, that learning is not just about that. And learning can be done on a hilltop, you know, overlooking the Dead Sea or, or, or wherever else we are in the country. And that we can sit together and really, um, you know, play a kumzitz, which, which we do uh, as often as we can here. Um, and the madrichim play music. And, and that's something that we definitely try to inspire uh, the students in every way which we can um, which will give them a whole different uh, outlook and approach uh, to learning in Judaism. What do you think would be lacking in the Jewish world if Ashrenu were not there? I think that if Ashrenu did not exist, I think students that are looking um, for a year of learning on a, a much with a lot a much bigger context of learning, which um, which doesn't really exist because we. What we pride ourselves with is that we have excellent learning. We have excellent chesed internships and we have excellent tiulim. And someone who's looking for that great experience, a lot of times they'll just say, well, you know what, if I can't, if I'm, I'm not going to go to a place where I, could, where I need to learn all day, so I might as well just start with college or I might as well do, you know, do something else and not spend that amazing year in the land of Israel. There are many wonderful opportunities for kids to tour or to volunteer in Israel. But to be in a real yeshiva setting and to be able to be a, in an area where they could grow as a Jew and grow in Torah and at the same time be able to do chesed, at the same time to be able to volunteer. If there wasn't an ashrenu, I don't, you know, those kids would just be volunteering somewhere or just be doing chesed. But they have an opportunity to be in a real yeshiva, to grow, to feel that they are connecting in so many ways to the Torah and to Hashem, and at the same time they're giving so much to the community and in life when you give, you get so much more in return. Additionally, because, it's interesting, just because there's less learning quantitatively because of that uh, the afternoon piece, qualitatively the learning really goes up because you have less learning uh, throughout your day. It's not, you know, 12 hours of learning, it's, uh, you know, four hours in the morning and an hour and a half at night. 
So the, the hours that the students are putting in, they're like, okay, this is my time to learn. And it allows them, A, to put more, efforts, put more effort into when they actually are learning and making those hours count. And B, it also is like, okay, I know I don't have to learn. I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not going from morning Seder to afternoon Seder to night Seder. I know I have a break in between of something that's a little different. And allow, I think it allows them to be able to put more effort into those learning in morning and night. The religious level the students come in now to Yeshiva seems to be very different than what it might have been 10 years ago. In general, is there a way you can describe the religious level to the degree that's describable, but about the religious level of students coming to Hashem on day one? On day one. On day one, again, you know, we're getting students from all over America. Uh, I would say that uh, between 50 and 70 percent, 50 and 60 percent of our students um, are not from the tri-state area. Um, uh, really, all you know, from California to Maryland to Chicago um, uh, and, and, and other states, um, and so you know that. And religiously, you know, Judaism looks like uh, it looks looks different in different states. Um, um, so it really, again, is a variety. It's, it's a wide spectrum. The the dorms here are Shomer Shabbat. You know, it's, it is understood that if you're coming to Ashrenu, it is a Shomer Shabbat dorm life. Um, uh, and uh, and, one, and that's to be respected by everyone. And everyone is coming in with their own struggles, with their own challenges, either also in life, but also in Judaism. Um, and I think that uh, to answer that question, really, there's a spectrum. Um, um, religious, the word religious is also has a lot of different connotations and means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, for some person, they might be coming in really passionate about learning, but not so passionate about keeping halakha. And vice versa, we have a student who might come in who's like, of course, keeping halacha is the most important thing, but might not be very much into learning, you know. So I would say that the answer is multifaceted. If they're coming in on different levels, which is very common now, are there consequences for not doing everything at the beginning? Meaning if a student doesn't want to come to shear often or occasionally or doesn't come to davening, is there a consequence for that kind of behavior or not? So we try to take the approach of, um, like I know when they come from high school, a lot of times they, they'll ask the question, is this mandatory? And I, what we like to do here is we try to stay away from the term mandatory and optional. And what we try to constantly remind the guys is that this, it's not about what you have to do or what you don't have to do. Is you made a choice, you made a decision to spend your year growing at Yeshiva Shreenu. And with that choice, there comes a responsibility. And by, by attending Yeshiva Shreenu, these are your responsibilities to come down, to attend Shir, to attend the program, to attend Chesed. And I feel like when, we, when we're teaching these guys about, about really being responsible, it's not just helpful for their year, it's really helping them later on in life as well. Well, well said, 100%. Uh, we stay away from words like mandatory and optional and really uh, empowering the students to make their own decisions, you know, say... Here is these incredible opportunities in front of you. I mean, it would just be very silly for you to not come down and to come all the way to Israel and not take advantage of these amazing rebbeim and amazing classes, chesed internships and tiulim. Um, in terms of consequences, there are one hundred percent consequences. You know, for breaking rules, uh, but for one of the things that it comes to growth, the consequences will look very different. It'll be more about the, the, the consequence, quote unquote, will be. Let's have a conversation and let's talk about your year and about growing. It's not going to be like, oh, well, you missed davening. You get a, you know, you have to, you know, probation or something crazy like that. Like, absolutely not. You know, it's, it's, again, it's, you know, we see that davening is maybe a struggle for you. You know, how can we help you? We can make up a wake, we can make a wake up plan for you. Let's learn about tefillah. 
would you like to go to the Tefillah class? There's so many options. And uh, well, in that case, how do you make sure the Rabbam really have their finger on the pulse of these students? How do you make sure that relationship exists? A student's not going to want to talk to a Rebbe unless he feels the Rebbe's really listening and isn't trying to convince him of something he doesn't want to hear. How do you make sure that happens? Um, so first of all, we have amazing Rabbam. All our Rabbam are extremely um, worldly and really uh, are very, very knowledgeable about both Torah and, and the world and what's going on. And they're very in tune to, uh, to teenagers and to kids that are coming from, from American backgrounds and spending their year in Israel. Um, we also have Madrichim who are, um, who are very much around at nights and spend a lot of time uh, schmoozing with the guys and, and having really meaningful and deep conversations. They'll actually help the guys and tell them, well, you know, you should really talk to your Rebbe about this. And we, as well, uh, encourage the guys to develop relationship with the Rebbeim, relationships with the Rebbeim. The Rebbeim hosts uh, the students for Shabbos. Um, they'll have barbecues in their house. And um, we definitely, um, you know, we work on it. Like every, like every relationship, it definitely requires a lot of work. But um, we definitely have seen a lot of uh, successful relationships that, uh, throughout the years. We definitely pride ourselves here at Australia that I think a common denominator amongst our staff and amongst our Abayim are the fact that they are approachable, relatable, sort of really down-to-earth, just like real people who the guys really feel that they can connect to. And, you know, there's a beautiful warmth and a beautiful just sense of we're not trying to force or, or impose Torah or concepts upon you, but really... Many of them, A, through example of how they live their life and how they interact and just who they are and how the, the students view them, I believe the students gain so much from them and they feel the openness and they feel the ability and the approachability that they can have towards the staff members and that really is a key and very helpful in enabling them to grow. I'd like to agree very strongly, of course, with Abayud and Ravelli and add on perhaps two points. Uh, one is that... Um, Again, the you know once that relationship is in place, which inevitably does happen because we have incredible Urbaim and we have incredible students, and and uh, and they really click uh, very quickly. Part of Urbaim's job here is to take out each uh, for, uh, for sure for Shabbat, uh, for Shabbosim to have students over all the time, but to take out each student um, uh, at least once a month, if not more. If it's to pizza or to a restaurant locally, whatever, and to have you know a half hour, forty five minute conversation with each student again at least once a month. Checking in, how's it going? Where you know what's up with you? Because in a sheer setting, you have your whole, you have you know six to ten people. You don't have the one-on-one relationship, um, and you and you're t- talking about you know whatever the sheer is talking about, as opposed to that one-on-one where you, uh, where you're going out, and that's a very very important part. And internally, I'll tell you that we uh, that as a head staff um, with the Rabbeim, we're going over every student in their sheer at least once a week. Uh, what do you mean going over every student in their share? Meaning, meaning, okay, you have eight students in your share, let's say. We'll take, uh, you know, uh, Chaim. How is Chaim doing? What are your goals for him this month? Let's look at the goals from last month. Is he Has he reached those goals? Do we have to take a different approach? Should he be in a different share? Is he connecting to the Gemara? Did, or would he need something more of like a different type of learning? From eight, is he, you know, how is it going with his roommates? Is he getting the whatever physical needs he needs taken care of? Is he feeling well? I noticed he missed two davenings this week. A to Z, we go over everything and make sure the student is excelling in every possible way. No yeshiva is perfect. Except for ours. Except for us, Ram, of course. <laughs> and I'm glad we're giving away all our secrets. <laughs> what do you think could use improvement at Ashram? As a yeshiva, we're, we're trying to improve every day. And I would say that everything we do 
where every day we're looking at ourselves and we're saying, how can we do this better? So I'll give you an example. Like last year, we went on Tulin every Tuesday, just like this year and just like the year before. But this year, so instead of doing the same Tulin in the same way, we'll reapproach the Tulin and we'll say, one second, how can we make the same Tulin? How can we do that? But how can we do it better? Uh, maybe we can add something more fun to that. Or, or that wasn't so fun, so let's do something else. Uh, as well as the shiurim. The chesed opportunities as well. Another thing that we're doing this year, for instance, is we, of course we always do a Poland trip with a, uh, with a shiurim. Of course, that's uh, interesting. I didn't know that you... Uh, what does that mean? Well, so what that means is, I mean, maybe Ravali would like to talk about it just because he runs it. So for the past, uh, for the past couple of years at Yeshiva, we actually um, take the guys in, um, just as, as the Yeshiva. The entire uh, Yeshiva? Our own group. Not the entire Yeshiva. Um, because there are always um, students that have gone in the past with their high school, so we can't force everyone to come. We, we take our own group and we go and we, we kind of, um, we have a very special experience uh, there. It's a very uplifting experience and we try to uh, use it as an as a enhancement. Um, when, to, when is that trip? Is that during Benazmanim or is it part of the... So it takes place during Yeshiva. It, it takes place during Yeshiva. There's obviously there's programming uh, for the students who stay. Uh, back in Israel, but we de- we take uh, we go for a week, and we spend the time uh, trying to understand the context um, of what we're doing here today, and obviously um, you know what happened there, and what that can mean for us as Jews, and what we should take from there and uh, try to give over uh, to the future generations. Uh, what we've found in the past is that uh, the students who who come on the Poland trip have an amazing, amazing experience and are always um, a lot more in, in touch with uh, with their Jewish heritage. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say about that trip? I mean, again, on that note, is that you know we're growing every single year. So, for instance, we've tried different dates that some have that worked as well and some have worked better. Uh, we've tried different uh, underlying themes in terms of the education uh, in Poland because you can really take a lot of different uh, approaches to why you're going. You're only there for seven days. Um, and uh, and we've really learned from you know different things that we've done and gotten better at them. And this year we're going again. With we already have about fifteen students signed up, and the more the merrier. And uh, this is a separate charge for it. I'm this sure. is a, this is a separate charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but we obviously you know for those who can, it's definitely very much encouraged. I went when uh, you know in, in my years, and it it really gave me a greater appreciation for for being a Jew as part of a Jewish nation. Let's move over from what needs improvement over to. What is something that will happen in Ashrenu that just won't happen in any other yeshiva? So again, you know, not uh, uh, don't want to speak about any other yeshiva because I hold very highly of all yeshivas and anyone and and, and of any student who uh, who makes a decision to come to Israel to learn Torah. Uh, I think it's a beautiful, uh, incredible thing. Even any student who comes to Israel for a gap year, I think, is an incredible thing. Um, but certainly, like we've been saying, you know, something that's very unique here the, uh, between uh, the Tiulim, the Tuesday trips, and the three afternoons a week of Chesed. I mean, that really gives you a, a, a more holistic approach to the Israel experience because it involves Torah learning and growth inside the Beit Midrash, but also Torah learning and growth outside the Beit Midrash with the Chesed, which is such a fundamental value in Judaism, and traveling Israel, which every four almost you're walking here is a mitzvah. So our Tuesdays are just chock full of mitzvahs that a lot of people don't get to get in other programs. Going back to the Chesed component of Esrenu, 
Can you describe a bit what that includes? Uh, the Chesed internships is like we've been mentioning this entire time. is such an integral part of the students' growth here at Ashrenu and here in their year in Israel. In the beginning of the year, uh, up until uh, a Sukkot break, we learn about we learn about the students. We get to hear about what their interests are, what are their passions, what are their talents, uh, and we look to find Chesed internships that match those talents. We start the Chesed internship program post-Sukkot, the individualized one. Up until Sukkot, it's group Chesed that we all do together. And some of those Chesed are opportunities that they'll have throughout the year. So let me give a few examples. Um, one example, for instance, is Rabbi Slifkin. For those who have heard of Rabbi Nassim Slifkin, otherwise known as the Zoo Rabbi, he has a museum uh, at about a 15-minute walk from us. Uh, and it's an incredible museum with lots of very interesting things about very interesting animals, including a live 10-foot boa constrictor. So when we go there on a teul, um, uh, one of the options there is, hey, who would like to do their chesed here during the year? And we actually have six students this year who are working at Rabbi Slipkin's museum, and that includes feeding... The snake, <laughs> and includes dealing with all the animals there. Do they feed the rebaim to the snake? Uh, or? No. Not, it depends on the rebaim. <laughs> and the guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but that includes um, learning about all the different animals and, and actually giving tours to groups that are coming in. Our students are going to be trained as tour guides for the museum, and they'll be volunteering there, uh, I think, one or two afternoons a week. Um, like Rabbi Yudin had been mentioning, uh, we have student, I think we had 12 students this year who just finished last week the course uh, for Magin David Adam to work in an ambulance shift. And that's, I mean, as a medic in the army, I was a medic in the army. It's a, such an incredible experience, but also a life skill that you have for the rest of your life, you know, learning how to do, you know, CPR, if God forbid you ever need that. Um, some other opportunities, again, are yachad and, and you know, seeing uh, students working with um, uh, a yachad kid and, get, and building that relationship, um, you know, throughout the whole year. I mean, our Shana Bed guys, came back and I know, I know I mean this wasn't their main motivating factor but I know that for them it was so special for them that they're coming back and they're still with the same Yachad kid and I know it happens to know that family and it is a life changer for this Yachad kid let's talk a little bit about the campus describe Ashrenu's campus for me please so I think what's so unique about the Ashrenu campus is that when you walk in you have the most magnificent view of Hare Yehuda the Judean hills we're located um, in Old Beit Shemesh and we have a beautiful campus which has a fitness room, a gym, as well as uh, two full basketball courts. Uh, we have a beautiful cheder uh, ochel, a lunchroom. We have a music room, um, a beautiful Beit Midrash, which has like a uh, you know 180 view of the hills around. Um, and it's really, really special to have um, actually to be in a central place in terms of Beit Shemesh where we're able to just walk and, uh, you know, walk to um, the American community here in Beit Shemesh, as well as we have two malls that are in walking distance if the guys, uh, you know, want to go out to eat um, or want to go shopping uh, for whatever they need. So that's also a really important uh, aspect as well. Do you think in Beit Shemesh a positive or a negative from your perspective? I think it's a big positive. Um, you know, although my heart is always in Yerushalayim, and we definitely uh, spend a lot of tiulim in Yerushalayim, and we talk about Yerushalayim all the time, and the guys visit Yerushalayim as well, uh, sometimes being a, a little bit like almost a step away from the center of where everything is happening and going on is, is so tremendously helpful for, um, for the growth of the students. I think Beit Shemesh is the best of both worlds. Within 40 minutes, a student could get on a bus and be in Yerushalayim, and at the same time, you don't necessarily have the distractions or the uh, other uh, positive, possible ways in which 
being in Yushalayim may be somewhat of a challenge for some of the students. And I think what's amazing is that being in Beit Shemesh, you have the best of both worlds. You have the ability to be in an environment where everything is accessible within two-minute walk of the yeshiva. We have three different pizza stores, and they pretty much have all of the shopping that, and uh, restaurants that Ben Yehuda has to offer literally within three minutes uh, walk of the yeshiva. But at the same time, the kids were able to be, be in, a, in a more uh, conducive environment and atmosphere to learn. We're running out of time. Let me quickly ask one last question before wrapping up. What do you do about a student who finds himself more attracted to individual learning rather than classroom or group learning? Do you have ways of dealing with that? 100%. Before the year starts, even, we send out two questionnaires to all of our students. One is about their chesed interests, and one is about their Beit Midrash, their learning interests. And one of the questions that we ask, which we take very seriously, is are you, do you thrive better in a chavruta uh, learning uh, setting or in a classroom setting, or perhaps both, or perhaps neither? Um, and, uh, and we really cater to that. You know, if we, you know, um, just last night, we actually changed a student over from uh, a shira to a chavruta with one of our madrachim, and, and he loved it. You know, and, he, and, and uh, actually, another student last year who was in my personal shira, and I taught here last year, um, was really, uh, was, he had a lot of potential, but he really was not gaining. And after two months, we moved him over to a chavruta, and Baruch Hashem, now he's uh, in Shanabet. <laughs> and uh, it really can change the year for a student for, to move from a shir to chavruta or vice versa, and we really take that very seriously. Just to wrap up, Rav Yudin, can you give a final word just about why should someone come to Ashreinu? What's the thing that really would make Ashreinu right for somebody? I think the warmth and the, just the overall... Um, breadth of what we have to offer in terms of variety, in terms of uh, growth uh, for a person's neshama, for a, a kid's ability to connect with other people, to just open up, and, and really to be able to live their life and, and live one day, whether they decide to live in Israel, or wherever they decide to uh, start their home and to raise their family, but to look back upon this year and to look upon the experience and the relationship that they have with the Rabbeim and their fellow students as something which is so positive for them that's going to enable for them to build and to really one day put that into practice and, and, and apply it to their, to their life and to give over to their families. Rav Yudin, Rav Yakiva, Rav Eli, thank you very much. If you want to learn more about Ashrenu, go to www.ashrenu.org.il.